Welcome to the Black Belt Business Podcast. My name is Matthew Brenner, and today we're with the CEO of Wattify, a software designed to help fitness businesses run more efficiently and martial arts schools as well. We're with Brendan. Brendan, thanks for coming today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited uh, to be here. I know you flew all the way from Colorado just to do this podcast. Yeah, of course. Right? It's flying <laughs> out right afterwards. So I very much appreciate <laughs> you doing that. Uh, so I know that you had a different company before you started with Wattify. So how'd you end up with Wattify? Yeah, uh, good question. Kind of a serendipitous series of coincidences, but I was looking for my next role and opportunity and found a company that I was excited about, but ultimately that role didn't work out. And in the final rounds of interviews at that company, met the CEO and founder who introduced me to the founder of Wattify. Uh, I'd never heard of the company before, but met some of the team and was really excited about the vision and what what we were building and um, the product and, and the customers and everything and uh, jumped on board. So were you doing software before this? Were you in the fitness industry or? I was not. I had a, you know, I, I ran in high school and I kind of worked out probably as uh, average amount as everyone else. But okay. uh, fitness wasn't that big part of uh part of my life, but um, I was running an e-commerce company before Wattify. Hmm. And so not software, shipping mattresses, so big physical products that, that uh, uh, you have to figure out how to manufacture and sell. So very different. But what I learned after joining Wattify is a lot of the uh, you know skills of problem solving and finding uh, products that match your customer needs and a lot of uh, that other stuff carried over. But yeah, new world for me once I joined Wattify. Very cool. And I think a lot of times if you just have a skill set of problem solving, you can kind of, it can kind of work in between different industries, right? Yeah. I mean, I think also you have to, you do have to immerse yourself in the industry that you're working in. So as soon as I started at Wattify, I joined uh, a CrossFit gym next to the office. CrossFit uh, is kind of where we got our start and where uh, we still are kind of the market leader in the CrossFit market. So start doing CrossFit, you start talking to CrossFit coaches. Um, since then, I've done jujitsu. I, I drop in whenever I'm traveling. I try to go to some sort of fitness business and, and try different types and um, listen to a bunch of fitness podcasts and just kind of start learning on your own uh, the industry. Yeah, I think it's when you are entering a new industry, what's so important to learn the new lingo, right? So if you're yeah. talking to a martial arts school and you're like, how to get new clients, like I'll bet oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking yeah. about. We call him students. 100%. Right? So when, what's your favorite type of fitness class to take now? Like if you're just going to do it for yourself. Yeah, good question. So right now I'm, um, I go to a gym in Denver called Alchemy 365 and they, they have kind of an interesting backstory, but it's a combination of yoga and functional fitness, uh, similar to CrossFit. So the class model is 15 minutes of yoga, flow, warm up, and then a 20 minute workout. And then a yoga cool down. Ah, very cool. Yeah. So do you, when you walk out of there, do you, are you like pumped up or do you feel like refreshed because you're also stretched out and like limber? Honestly, kind of all of the above, which is why I love it. It's, you can do it seven days a week and you're not going to get injured, but you're going to feel like you got a great workout in and you feel, you know, mobile and, yeah. and flexible and a kind of, I mean, at this point I'm not training, uh, you know, to be a uh, competitor of any sort. And so it just helps you stay in shape for snowboarding and trail running and going on whatever adventures you want to go on in life, you know? I think it's interesting that you do a workout that's like a hybrid of like 
uh, you know, let's say like resistance training or weightlifting and yoga and Wattify is a hybrid. The goal is to have a hybrid experience for students, yeah. right? like an online training platform where people can train in person at the brick and mortar school and then also be able to train online. And we're going to get to that soon. I think it's really important. Now, you come from a different perspective because you're growing a software as a business. And one of the things we talked about before we got on here was that you guys didn't take any major funding or raises before throughout this process. So what are some of the business lessons you've learned from from bootstrapping from the, the bottom up? Yeah, I think there's a lot that um, that goes into that. But just to understand why it matters the way companies are funded is it's kind of a matter of um, uh, your business priorities and strategies. So when companies raise money, that is a, you know, the, the companies investing in them have a business model as well. And that is grow rapidly, increase the value, and ultimately uh, probably go through some liquidation event, get sold, get bought by another company. So what that means is often those companies kind of have to sacrifice long-term vision with short-term growth. And when we started, uh, the two things we've been able to do are have a long-term vision and truly like listen to our customers. Our customers are in our investors, right? So um, we have a lot of kind of stories of how that's played out, but we don't go into a board meeting with investors and decide to build features or invest in sales and marketing based on what they say. We go out and talk to our customers, figure out what they want, and we know if we just build the best product over 5, 10, 15 years, we're going to win in this market. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of been how it's worked, but it also means, you know, we have significant resource constraints compared to a lot of our competitors. So we run a profitable company. We've never raised money and that's challenging to do in the software space. In any business, it's challenging to do, uh, but it means you have to figure out how to get more with less. You have to figure out how to really know your numbers. Every single, you know, every decision we make, we just, we, uh, have an entire company that we do financial literacy training and all of our employees know our revenue and our expenses and our profit. And it's really important to our entire business strategy. I think it's so awesome you share that with your employees because a lot of times martial arts schools, if you're the owner, you don't share that stuff with your employees ever. Yeah. Yeah, it's very common where it's like you don't tell them how much money is coming to the school or how much payroll is or anything because you're nervous that they're going to say, oh, look how much money you're making. But they don't really understand all the facets of a business, right? But I I always feel like the best martial arts schools – whether it's jujitsu, karate, taekwondo, anything, they share that information so the instructors understand exactly where they're at. And they're not scared. They don't have like a scarcity mindset of like, oh, this person's going to leave or this person's going to be jealous or this person's going to have weird feelings about it. And if you share that with your team, then they know exactly where you're at and they understand celebrating the growth or dealing with you know shots to the eye, right? When things don't yeah. go well one month. I mean, the other benefit is it's a little bit of, you know, being vulnerable as a business owner because you have to be, you know, you're sharing numbers and sometimes they're not good and sometimes they are good and there's a sense of ownership there. But the other outcome is once you share metrics and you talk about why they're important, ideas from frontline employees will emerge. Like these people will start. So in our business, um, you know, we we launched a new product that started contributing to our revenue, but it wasn't growing super fast. Once we started talking about that, and we saw the slow growth. We had teams and customer success and account management who came up with ideas on how to like double the sales of that product. Mm. And and so, um, you know, in a fitness business, if you don't share your monthly revenue or the number of leads or your conversion rate, it's hard for the team surrounding you to help come up with the ideas and have the, 
you know, unique insights from working in the business to help you change those numbers. Mm, that's a really good point. Yeah, usually they can problem solve in ways you can't think about it because you're so in deep, like yeah, in, in the weeds. So you guys grew a software business to profitability. How long did it take? Because I feel like usually software businesses take forever to get profitable. Right? <laughs> Sometimes so they never get profitable. Or they never get profitable. Yeah. So how did how long did that take and how did you guys do that? Uh, uh, pretty quick. So I think we were profitable. The, the initial funding, kind of the money that we started with was from a, the founder was running a consulting business at the time that this kind of spun out of. So a technology consulting business that went into, uh, you know, massive Fortune 500 billion dollar companies and helped them implement ERP and CRM systems. So take a huge company and implement technology to help them run more efficiently is what we're doing on a small scale for fitness businesses. And, and so the idea was kind of born there. That's where some of the money came from. I think within uh, between one and two years, we're turning a profit and we have been since then. And one of the reasons is we um, we designed our product in a way where we were asking customers for money from day one. So a lot of software companies have this approach where let's just get a bunch of users, let's give away our software. And our approach was let's make a product that has enough value and and actually creates value for fitness businesses so we can charge for it. <laughs> and uh, they'll be happy to pay us because it's driving value, but um, that's how we'll fund the business moving forward. Yeah, it could be hard to get someone to go from taking something for free to paying for it. Obviously, that's a lot of companies do it, yeah. but I always feel like when you pay, you pay attention. Right. Yeah. The analogy I like to use is someone gives you like baseball tickets and uh, it's for free and you look outside, it's like maybe a little rainy yeah. or not that sunny and you're like, ah, screw it. I'm not going. But if you bought tickets and it's like a little <laughs> rainy, you're like, let's go. I pay for these yeah. tickets. We're going anyway. Right. Yeah. So I think it's cool that you guys started to charge for the, it right away. Yeah. The other thing it does is it forces you again to kind of the business priorities. We uh, charge for our product and we have monthly recurring uh, subscriptions with no contracts. So what that means is every month we need to be delivering value because if we're not, we're going to lose that customer. Mm. Uh, so sim I mean, that's a similar model to a lot of fitness businesses, but we take it to an extreme where we don't even sign. And if, if a customer for some reason like needs to pay us annually, we'll make it work. But we've had customers ask to pay annually and we're like, let's get you on month to month. There's no contract. We want to prove every month that we're delivering the value that you want. Mm. Um, and so, it, yeah, it forces us to have the right priorities in mind in terms of uh, our customers. So what are you seeing? Because obviously you get access to a lot of stats, yep. right? What are you seeing at the best fitness uh, box gyms? What are they doing? Yeah, that's a good question. And um, honestly, I think there's a lot of misconceptions around that uh, because I think a lot of times the best businesses are thought of as either the biggest, the ones that have the most members, uh, the most clients. Um, and in reality, the best businesses are the most profitable and usually have the best retention. Those are those are what we see it boils down to. And I, it's an interesting time of year because there have been a few reports that have come out in the past month or so with fitness industry stats that are super illuminating. Um and one of the ones that's top of mind for me is uh, there have been some stories around some boutique franchises that historically were thought of as the most successful business, fitness businesses. Um, F45 is the most public one. Mm -hmm. uh, there have been more recent ones. There's all sorts of these little boutique concepts that turn out, uh, turns out are not doing well at all financially. And that's because of, uh, primarily because of retention. 
Mm. Um, so the best businesses can look like a lot of different shapes and sizes and stuff, but the common themes are profitability and retention. Mm. Yeah, the the thing in the fitness industry, especially in martial arts, maybe I don't know as much about CrossFit or yeah. whatever, is people always talk about gross revenue. Yep. But it's like, how much are you actually making on that, yeah. right? Like I know that our schools, we want to be between 200 and 300 students. We're golden there. That's yep. great. We're, none of our schools have 500 students. So we'll go to a school that they say five or 600 students they have. And then we'll go like, oh man, that's amazing. Let's go check it out. Like see what they're doing. And then we go there and they're just disorganized tracking their members. So we look through like class cards yeah. and like this person hasn't been there in two years. This person hasn't been here in a year. This you know, it's all covered in dust. And it's like, oh, they don't have 500 members. They really have like 150, yeah. right? And I, I think it's important to educate the average fitness business owner of like, hey, you need to know just not like your gross revenue, which is important, right? But like, what are your actual profit margins? What are your expenses? Like most people don't even know how to use a PL sheet. Yeah. Right. No, it's a huge, and I mean, the, they're on the surface, CrossFit and martial arts and spinning studios are very different because what you're doing in those businesses is different. The types of clientele are different. But, you know, from the business side of things, there's so much similarity between them. And there's yeah. so many lessons that are common in those different verticals. Uh, it's the same challenges. It's the same mistakes. And, um, you know, I, I we, we talked about our business metrics a bit and we obviously educate our employees and look at those constantly. But the second set of metrics I look at and study and obsess over are these industry stats. Like I know the average gym, the average, uh, call it boutique gym, like CrossFit, functional fitness, martial arts makes about $12,000 a year, a little over $12,000 a year. The average owner takes home around $4,000 a month. Uh, they're around 150, like, and those stats aren't, that's what we try to improve with our software. Everything mm -hmm. we build and everything we do is to, to, make those businesses healthier because that's those are the customers we serve and that's how we grow the pie you know like mm. we most of the time when we lose a customer they're going out of business they're not mm. switching softwares mm. so do you see a difference in revenue between a crossfit versus martial arts schools like do you know the average take-home revenue or take-home for a martial arts school versus a crossfit gym yeah, that's a good question um revenue we would be able to know that i don't have it off the top of my head um Anecdotally, I think it's from what we've seen, it's a bit higher for martial arts um, because they're able to. There's two reasons: the average revenue or the average monthly membership skews a little bit higher. And if you think about logistically, you can fit a lot more people. Like Jujitsu Company in Philadelphia, where you train is this small-ish uh, room where they fit 30, 40 people on the mats. You go into a CrossFit gym and you're throwing around a barbell and you're, you know. You can't, you can fit 12, 15, 18 people in a class. So the economic model uh, kind of lends itself to jujitsu on average, bringing in a little bit more, but it, it definitely varies by business. Mm. Um, and then the take home, we look at, uh, there's a report called State of the Industry that this company called Two Brain and we partner with them to publish. We don't know expense data, so we don't, we can't, you know, run a full PL in our system. So I can't speak as confidently to those numbers as I can revenue and client count and retention. Uh, and that one's a blended between martial arts and CrossFit. And so that's where the $4,000 number came from. Okay. And then when you're going over vitals with the, uh, when I say vitals, I mean stats yeah. with the martial arts school, what do you want them to track? Like, what specifically do you feel like is most important for their their business? Yeah, I mean, if I was to pick one, I would say retention. Um, 
because retention drives. So when you're when you're in a business trying to identify the numbers to guide your decision, your strategy, you want to come up with as few as possible where you know if that number moves, all these other good things are happening underneath it. Like there's no way for that number to be improving and like the business to be failing otherwise, uh, or you try to come up with, you know, that that North Star metric. Mm. And so the reason retention is so powerful is an improvement of a, a small amount, like three to five percent retention, generally improves profitability by like twenty-five to a hundred percent. Because that's it's pro it's pure profit. Like if a member stays six months instead of three months, those three extra months are are uh, you know, you already paid to acquire them, you're already running the classes and stuff. Uh, so the number one number I look at is retention. And the other the other thing it impacts is um, growth. So not only are you keeping those members longer, but if you keep someone for two years instead of three months, they're much more likely to refer other people to your business than mm. you're growing on that end. You're also much more likely to develop a really strong community because you're not going to develop a tight-knit community if you have people, you know, coming in and out every single month. So yeah, there's a lot that flows out of that, but that's the number one uh, metric we would encourage people to look at. What's the average retention rate? The average retention rate for, in general well, is a little below 90%. Um, okay. And the, another way to look at it, which I like this measure because it's a little easier to visualize, is length of engagement. So the average length a member will stay at your business. In the industry in general, it's about eight months um, for Wattify gyms, it's about 16 months. Uh, for Wattify jiu-jitsu schools, it's about 19 months. Um, and for martial arts, I feel like it's, I mean, you probably, I'd like to hear your perspective on this too because you know more about it than I do. But sure. in martial arts schools, it's that number is even more important because there's this longevity to the training you're doing and, and what you're learning. It's like the whole point isn't to come in and stay for six months or even a year. It's And in and, and some fitness businesses, that might actually be okay. Like, oh, you wanted to like, you know, lose 10 pounds. You could probably lose 10 pounds in a year, like goal accomplished. But you want to train jujitsu or study some other, like that's a multi-year goal and commitment. Um, so that number is really important. Yeah, what we look for across our martial arts schools is we want to have our attrition rates or quit rate to be anywhere between like 3 and 6%. Yeah. And if it's climbing higher than that, we're like in trouble. So that's right, that's right around where our... Cust our average customer is around 4%, so 96, yeah, 4% if you want to look at the, the attrition side of it. And the average is 10, 11, 12%. Um, in some of these businesses, it's way worse than that. But that is, and again, you look at these public case studies like F45 or like these some other businesses, and it's immediately obvious that was the flaw. Like, mm. And these are businesses that were raising and growing and, and building huge businesses, and you just have this kind of, uh, leaky bucket that eventually creates huge problems. What is it about their program you think that creates that leaky bucket? Like, what are they not doing? What are they doing wrong? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think there's a lot they're doing right. Like, I, I heard you talk about this on another podcast of studying concepts like berries and uh, soul cycle or these other things that you can say whatever you want about. You know those those classes, but there is a level of professionalism and there's a level of experience that they do really well. Mm -hmm. I think what's missing um, is, uh, so, so there's a few things that I think are missing, and this is how we think about successful gyms with retention. There's kind of three elements, uh, a really engaged community, 
client accountability, and a hybrid experience. Mm. And I think all three of those things are missing from a lot of fitness businesses. Mm. So what, what I think some boutique concepts do really well is the experience. Like I go to Barry's, I'm at 45 Mary's love you guys like I'm not trying but I go to Barry's in Philadelphia and I it's like going to a nightclub have you or have you ever been to a rumble box rumble yeah, yeah it so is like a nightclub rumble's yeah. like a nightclub and it's yeah. super fun like I yeah. love it and I go there but I talked about the gym I go to in Denver like I'm not going to rumble seven days a week yeah <laughs> like that's and so I think um successful the most successful fitness businesses I go to when I visit it's immediately apparent that their community is strong their coaches or their instructors know everyone they know who they are. They know their goals. They have some sort of relationship with them. The people there have a relationship with each other. There's some level of accountability. Um, in CrossFit, this is how we took over the CrossFit market. We created the ability to digitally track your performance and your results. And so uh, those athletes were able to see they were improving, set goals. There was a lot of accountability baked into the software we built. Uh, and then the hybrid experience is just bringing technology to these physical businesses. So people aren't choosing between, oh, do I you know, have a Peloton membership or do I go to my local mm. gym? It's like your local business where you can go have human interactions and have a coach or an instructor that really like can give you that, that uh, personal touch, but also supported with technology. And I think it's so overlooked. And you tell me, like, do you get resistance from gyms who want to digitize or you're like, hey, you need to digitize the experience or have trackable. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, you just come here and lift because they're more old school. I know martial arts schools are kind of like that overall. Yeah. Right. They don't even want to deal with, you know, digital check-in, right? Yeah. Like they'll just rather mark it off on a card or do some other way. So how do you get past that resistance? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you have to find, so, so there's a pretty uh, well-known academic concept of a technology adoption curve. So you have a small percent of innovators, then you have early adopters, then you have early majority. So there are these customer profiles who are willing and ready to adopt technology. Mm. And I'll tell you the story of CrossFit because uh, where we're at in today in jiu-jitsu and martial arts is where we're at eight years ago in CrossFit. Mm. So in CrossFit, you used to go into a CrossFit gym and if you said, hey, let's put a TV on your wall and have your athletes track their workouts on their phone, they would laugh at you and tell you to get out. And they would say, we write it up on the chalkboard and everyone's got a notebook, they're tracking it. And so what we did is we found a handful of gyms that were bought into our vision and our idea. And we went out and we ran their gyms with them and we helped them set it all up. And uh, the reason it worked is we solved a retention problem. We created value for their business. So CrossFit gyms in 2013 and 14 were getting people streaming into their doors because CrossFit was so popular. And three months later, they were leaving because they had this, this retention problem. And so uh, we had confidence that our solution actually delivered value. And then we found the innovators and the early adopters. And then frankly, we just forced people to use our software the way it should be used because we knew it was the right way. So we, we make, and we do this today too, we make people sign contracts in CrossFit that they will uh, hang up a TV on their wall that's visible from the floor. They'll throw away their whiteboard. Like we've, we've really like forced them to change their business in some ways because we know that will get the result that we're driving for. And if they don't, then they won't find value in our software and then there's no point. So um, in martial arts and jujitsu, this year we've been focused on finding those innovators and early adopters. And the results are very similar to CrossFit. Like we have these customers across the country, across the world now that change the way they're running their business, but our, our 
seeing the results. Um, and ultimately this goes back to our having a company where we can have a long-term vision. Like that's how we're going to change the market and, and get uh, really be successful in this market. Um, so I've seen other softwares with martial arts that are probably similar, uh, let's say like a Zen planner or something, right? Yep. So there's ways to track belts and track progress. So what are you guys doing differently to digitize the experience to improve retention? Yeah, uh, so good question. There, there's definitely a lot out there. I think what we're doing differently is understanding, well, let me tell you how we had the insight and then that'll explain what we're doing differently. So um, in jujitsu specifically, and because that's kind of where we're most focused right now, and then uh, I think a lot of it applies to other martial arts, but in jujitsu, what we found is there were a lot of parallels with CrossFit and, and it's summarized with like three problems that students experience. They aren't prepared for class. They don't know what to expect when they walk in. During class, it's really hard. A lot of people struggle with what to do, even though they just saw an instructor demo it, say like one, two, three break. And they're like, wait, well, and they're like two white belts asking each other what to yeah, do. Even me and I'm and an then, instructor <laughs> and when I'm, or, you know, even though I trained martial arts my whole life, if I'm a student yeah. on a mat and I'm like a blue belt in jujitsu, like they'll say something in five seconds. And I'm like, what did they say? All right, tell me what again, what guard? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I had the same, same exact experience. And it's like, you know, you're, you're, especially if you're newer, you're like, nervous, trying to pay attention, trying to figure out who I'm going to partner with after yeah. this. Um, so you don't know what you're doing before class. You go in and you're you're a little bit lost on the mats, and then there's no way to keep track of your progress and study and learn outside of class. And so what we're doing with our software, which does, you know, 80% of the, a lot of what we do and what, you know, you need as a gym owner is back-end business management software. It's not that exciting, but we do all that and we do it quite well, like payment processing and memberships and cancel holds and all that stuff. Um, but what sets us apart is we've solved all three of those problems with technology. So we have the ability to not just track your progression and, and even in the belt and progression tracking, there's some cool stuff that we do there to, to make it more engaging. But um, we've introduced this concept of a digital student experience and bringing in video, which is a very proven methodology of learning in jujitsu and in martial arts into that entire student experience. So before class, you can look at the app that you use to reserve class or book in and see a demo of what you're doing in class that day, see a video. Uh, when you come into class, you can have looping instructor videos on the walls. So when you hit break uh, or you come in late to class, uh, like one of my favorite stories from the jujitsu company is watching a student come in late who missed the demo and Josh being like, I didn't have to you know, stop everything I was doing and go catch them up. He was able to find a partner, look at the screen and start rolling. Mm. Um, so the video experience in class and then afterwards having on-demand content and a way to upload videos of yourself and just have that entire experience of continued learning because at most you probably have an hour, hour and a half a day. Um, so there's a lot there, but at a high level, we have developed a unique set of tools that elevate the student experience through video and through uh, better access to curriculum from their gym, not just randomly Googling or searching on YouTube. Um, and the result is all the things we were talking about that make a successful fitness, be better retention, uh, which, you know, uh, more, more students, more uh, top line revenue, all that stuff. So, okay, I run a martial arts school, right? So I, am I taking a video with my phone? Like what, or am I using a special piece of equipment so it loops on the TV? What am I actually doing? when there's lots of people there and I have 
I have a lot of people I need to talk to or do things. How am I going to do this quickly yeah. that it's not disrupting a class for me to take a video? Yeah, no, great question. So um, in terms, and this is, we spent a lot of time this year learning about how to do this. Um, and and we're still refining it. But in January, I went out to Boston and there was a, um, a jujitsu conference that we uh, spoke at and basically made this pitch to jujitsu owners. And we're like, hey, here's what we're trying to do. If you believe in this vision, help us develop it. And so since then, like jujitsu company, American top team out in Nashville, um, we got gyms in California, all over the country have uh, we've gone and helped them set this up and run it. And what we found is there's a few steps. First is the school itself getting organized with their curriculum and their videos. And so this often takes a bit of work um, up front where you don't need any like super fancy equipment. Like you can record videos on your iPhone. Now, most, most people have a phone that's capable of recording good videos and then just sitting down and organizing curriculum. So it's not in all of your instructor's heads or, you know, it's or maybe in like a Google Doc somewhere lost online. So the first step is let's get a library of videos. Let's organize our curriculum and our software is designed to help you do that. And then once you have that um, done, every day the classes and the curriculum are connected. So you can walk in, turn on a TV, the video will be looping. Um, we don't, you know, it's it's usually just Vimeo or YouTube where you can host them in our app. Really streamlined experience to, to play the looping video. And then either instructors or students can help record each other. Uh, usually that doesn't happen every class. So maybe you get, you know, one video every couple weeks or months, but that's still way better than what most schools have today, which is no, you know, never doing that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I could see that really assisting the instructor. So I have firsthand experience because I'm with, I'm a student at a school where this is actually happening, right? So they, mm -hmm. they have a, an iPhone on a tripod. I don't know. I don't know what's behind that iPhone. So I don't know if they're on your software or they're just hitting, you know, on the video app and, yeah. and hitting record. But when I see it loop on the TV, it definitely helps me because I'm like, oh, he put his hand there, not there. And then I don't have to, I also don't have to feel like an idiot. Yeah. Like, you know, asking the instructor three times, like, is it my left hand or my right hand? Right. Well, and, and we even, one of the interesting things is we've, been wrong about some of our assumptions about how this would add value. So at first we were like, this is really going to help beginners, people coming in for their first time, white belts, that's what it's made for. And that'll drive all the value. And we got so much feedback from people who've been doing jujitsu for 10 years. who are like, this is amazing. It, it helps me, you know, with the more nuanced techniques or with the finer points where I love going home and studying. So that was one insight. The other thing on the instructor side is we expected a lot of pushback around like, my instructors, you know, a black belt who has a really good uh, way to teach. We don't want to take away from him. And we've taught guest classes with some of the best jujitsu practitioners in the world. Like Buchecha taught a class with us, JT cool. Torres, and they left and said, "This makes me a better instructor." Mm. <laughs> it really and and so both of those were kind of surprising, but really encouraging signs that uh, there is a need that we're solving. Hmm. So, are you? Are you finding pushback from instructors of actually uploading and organizing their curriculum? Like, I feel like that's like a very uphill battle for yeah. like martial arts school, especially more traditional. Even jujitsu, there's more modernized schools and more traditional. And the ones that are more traditional, I feel like especially, they're going to be like, like, you're going to get resistance on that. So does that happen? And how do you get past it? 
Yeah, d- uh, definitely happens. The way we've gotten past it, there's a few things. So again, we're still at the, uh, I would call it the early adopter stage of this. So we're getting these uh, schools that are in- interested in investing in new technology and improving and and believe that that will improve their business. Mm. So what that means is they're okay with some of this upfront cost of, okay, I have to take some videos. Okay, I have to document this. But what we found is it's really helped those schools get organized. Mm. Like the it's and really it comes down to the owner being bought in. So that's the first thing. If the owner's bought in, he can or she can help the instructors understand why it's important and enforce, you know, however they're they're going about it. But what we found is it just creates a consistent experience. It, it gives the students a way to know if they come to one instructor or another, they're going to have some consistency. Like they should still have their their unique approach but they know what to expect. They know how to see the curriculum. The curriculum is broken down in the same way. Um, and it's kind of a one-time investment too. Once you once you get it set up, uh, a lot of these types of curriculum cycle. Uh, so we make it really easy to reuse it. Um, make it really easy to continue building on your library. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just like, I mean, anything else in business, you might have to document your standard operating procedures. You might have to organize all this. So there's no reason your curriculum and some of your content shouldn't be organized. Um, and again, the, the reason why it's worth that investment is we're seeing these businesses' metrics improve. Mm. And we're seeing them unlock some interesting new revenue streams. So we had one customer who uploaded a ton of videos to our media library, which is the on-demand version of this. So, so not necessarily what are we doing tomorrow, but what's our you know uh, curriculum I could go study at any time. And when everything's uploaded there, you can pull it into daily workouts, but you can also sell access to certain libraries. And so that wasn't this owner's idea when he built it out, but then he realized once he had it all organized in that way, oh, I could sell access to these folders with videos in them for an extra 15 bucks a month. And I think he's already added 1000 or $2,000 in revenue from it. So Is that to his students or other martial arts schools who want to use his techniques and his teaching? To students right now. Yeah, that mm-hmm. one is. Okay. Have, you, have they thought about that? Like, okay, I sign up for Wattify. And you give me almost like if you, I don't know, download a fitness app, right? And it would show you how to do lat pull downs, right? Mm-hmm. Have you guys thought about having a, a library that has Kimura or Triangle kind of like so templated videos? It's interesting. We we do. And we actually have, we have a partnership with BJJ Flowcharts. Have you ever heard of them? Yeah. Before? So we have a lot of their content preloaded for people to cool. use. What we found is a lot of these schools want to develop their own content, their own video. They want their instructors to yeah. be in their videos. They want their thumbprint on um, And so that's been more common, but there are affiliation networks that we're seeing a lot more of that with, where they want all of these affiliates to have the same videos and the same consistency and the same content. So that's an area we're seeing more of is like, okay, we'll, we'll you know, we're all whatever affiliate, let's um, have a shared library of videos that we all use in our uh, programming. So... I want to improve my retention. I'm going to have looping videos on the TV. How else am I digitizing this experience as part of Wattify to help me keep more members? Yeah. uh, So another big part of it is, um, I mean, a lot of retention comes down to the relationships you have with your students, with your clients. And our technology in a somewhat less direct way can help a lot with that. So we have some features like uh, in-app chat, we have SMS, but in-app, in-app chat's been uh, really valuable for that. Um, and then we have a client app where students are engaging with your business in a way that's 
hopefully more meaningful than just let me sign into class. Mm. So with in-app chat, uh, instructors or owners are able to, um, again, like connecting to your business through the through the same software they're using to sign into class and view these videos to ask them questions or check in. You know, one of the one of the things that sounds really small or ineffective, but again, these these little things build up to improve retention is if anyone uh, has an issue in class, like it's injured or something, is someone from your business following up with them the next day or, or the next week. Uh, and those little touch points, people remember, and then they, you know, it it does make a difference. So, in-app chat's a big one, um, and then the ability for your employees to be able to track, to provide a personalized experience for everyone. And so we do that through, you know, we have uh, tags and notes and just ways for people to make sure that they understand where that person's at in their journey, what their goals are. Um, so a lot of retention just comes down to this sense of you should be thinking about everyone's individual experience through their journey at your business and not like, okay, here's what I do. And it's like, you know, a machine, I'm going to feed all these people in and they're going to go through my systems and hopefully they'll stay. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Are you able to schedule chat messages? Like, let's say I have someone there with me and he hurts his ankle and then I want to check up with them later, but I might not remember tomorrow because yeah. I'm busy. Am I, besides like scheduling an email, which I think any software can basically yeah. do, right? Is there some kind of scheduling way I can schedule a text? Like, hey, Mr. Brenner here, just checking in. How's your ankle feeling? Yeah, so uh, great question. Very kind of exciting part of our roadmap that will make allow you to do that in a much more seamless way. Early next year, we're building, uh, we're calling it Wattify Workflows, but it's basically, are you familiar with like Zapier? Yeah. Triggers it? yeah. So we're building that in our application. So you'll be okay. able to define triggers and actions based on all of the, uh, and build custom workflows based on everything that happens in our application. So the example you just talked about is a use case we're modeling where an instructor tags a student as injured and you say, wait one day, send this message or, yeah, or cool. do this. But today people still do that. They just use uh, tasks. So you can quickly create a task, set the due date as tomorrow. And it might just say, uh, you know, follow up with Greg on his injury today. And then the next day you come in and, and you have all your tasks right there. Yeah, obviously if it was automatic, it could be way better. Yeah. Like if I'm training my staff, I might put a thousand tasks, but not all of them are gonna get yeah. done. I guaranteed it. Right. And even if it was even if it was me. So why <laughs> why are you attacking jujitsu schools? Like what about jujitsu schools do you feel like uh is a target for you guys to be able to help with with Wattify? It came about pretty organically. Like we uh, we're the market leader in CrossFit. We we kept on, um, you know, and we continue to build features and innovate in that market. And the first thing that happened is we started seeing jujitsu schools using our software. And we were like, huh, it's a good sign that we already provide enough value where with no marketing and no focus, they're using it. So we started talking to some of them. And then, you know, going back to immersing yourself in the industry, like our founder, myself, other people at our company have... Uh, some people have backgrounds in jujitsu. Some of us started doing jujitsu and we had the light bulb moment that we had in CrossFit, which was there's an opportunity here to not just take our software and be like, okay, let's go try to spend more on ads than Zen Planner and MindBody and try to like acquire their, we were like, what's the long-term way we can create unique value in this market and design software in a way that's going to improve and change these businesses. Um, so we had that insight. And then from a business standpoint, jujitsu's uh, 
growing. It's a big market. It's huge market. Like I didn't realize how popular jujitsu is uh, in the United States and, and around the world. So you got Mark Zuckerberg. The mar- it. Yeah, you got you got so much. Um, yeah, there's a lot of content on, about it online. And so in CrossFit, that's their whole model, right? Like CrossFit's an affiliation and CrossFit HQ goes out and and creates awareness for CrossFit. So people Google local CrossFit gym and go to their. And jujitsu doesn't have as formal of a thing, but there's a lot of other stuff that does that. Like the UFC contributes to it. The um, Yeah, there's just a lot of uh, uh, stuff driving people in to go try it. Are you going to try to onboard other types of martial arts schools or is it kind of fall into the same umbrella for you guys? Do you feel like jujitsu is like specifically that style? Uh, we are going. So the way we're building our software, is, we, we call it a platform approach, meaning we want to be able to configure our software to fit a lot of different types of businesses and not uh, like you were talking about um, some of the needs that you have in your business being kind of custom built with software partners. And for very large businesses like yours, that there, there may be some need for that. Most of our customers have one location, maybe two, um, but they still have unique ways of running their business. And so our approach is we don't want to build custom software for everyone, but we want to create the ability to configure our software so it does feel like it was made for you. And a small example of that is you were talking about industry vernacular. Uh, our, a user in our system used to always be called an athlete because that's what CrossFit gyms called it. And today you can go into our system and if you're a CrossFit gym, you can call it athlete. If you're a jujitsu school, you can call it student. And so we've, we've created the ability to customize all the vernacular in our app to match your business. Uh, even things like icons and stuff. Um, So we're seeing Taekwondo, karate, other types of fitness businesses. We're seeing yoga studios and some of these other, and there's still some feature gaps, but I would say over the last two years, it's awesome now that our onboarding team with the customer can tweak a few things and give them a piece of software that they're super excited about and and feels like fits their needs. We, We had a dog walking business sign up the other day interesting and that person i uh i talked to them a few weeks after onboarding because i was like what are you doing and they were like this is the best dog walking software ever. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know how big that market is but maybe yeah. that maybe we'll go after that next That'll be the next one yeah right, cool so when you're doing for jujitsu schools are you like helping them grow their business besides just giving them the software? Like, is there some sort of coaching experience? Hey, our CrossFit gyms are doing this. If you borrow this this strategy that they're using, you'll be able to grow your jiu-jitsu school as well? Or are you just kind of using the software as that tool specifically? Yeah, we try to we try to do that while also staying in our lane a little mm-hmm. bit. Okay, you know? that's a good point. So we actually, years ago, we used to be, we're in Center City, Philadelphia now. It's kind of our headquarters office. We used to be in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Yeah. And we opened a gym under our office because we thought like, we know how to do this. We make software for gym owners. And it was a disaster <laughs> because we were like, there were a lot of reasons that went into it, but we were like, whoa, we there are a lot of things about running a gym that we don't know how to do. Mm-hmm. And so one, we try to stay in our lane. But we try to share what we know and our unique perspective with our customers uh, to help them. So the two main things we do are we invested in uh, creating an account management team. So our account management team proactively works with customers to help them configure our software to to run their business the the best way they want. So um, that's one. The other thing we do is 
we publish a lot of our data in a way to help gym owners make decisions. Mm. So we have a whole series on our blog called Behind the Numbers. We have 5,000 gyms that use Wattify to run their business. We have more uh, more data than you know almost any company. And we're able to slice and dice it in really interesting ways. So we're able to say, okay, let's look at the top 10% of gyms in terms of revenue and look at how their, uh, you know, how many, what their retention looks like or how many classes they run a week or things like that. And so we just publish one, one blog post a month called Behind the Numbers. And we, we try to pull out sometimes through interviews, sometimes just through summarizing data for our customers. Here are some takeaways you might have based on our data because no gym, even, even, you know, a, a franchise doesn't have that much data. Mm. So what piece of data sticks out to you if you're publishing these every month? Like I love when I'm talking to either another coach consultant or talking to a software developer who deals with tons of schools, yep. right? Or even like if I'm ordering flyers or something, and I know that they print flyers for tons of martial arts schools, like what's the, what's the flyer that the best school is using? So, good, yeah. <laughs> get some design inspiration. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, we're going to make it kind of the same, yeah. right? So what are the best schools doing uh, with with your software? You know, besides relationships, besides looping videos, like what are they actually doing that's helping them perform the best? Yeah. I mean, there's – each one is kind of a deep dive into a different topic. So I, I would encourage – if people are interested to go to go explore our blog, um, how do they find that? The high drop the website blog dot okay. Yeah, um, the high level insight is, and this sounds self serving, but it's true. Whether you use Wattify or a different software, the more like gym software is designed to help you run a business, and so the more features you're using, and the better you understand and utilize your software, the more successful your business is going to be, mm. generally is what we see. Um, so I think one interesting stat is related to performance tracking. And that in jujitsu means the looping videos and CrossFit, it means, you know, how, how much weight did you uh, lift today? And um, I'm not going to be able to pull the exact number off the top of my head, but the, the difference in retention for gyms that are using that was, um, you know, arguably the difference between a profitable and not profitable gym. Like mm. that, that's what it came down to. And it kind of makes sense intuitively. You, you, when, when you think about uh, retention being, you know, like I was saying, you know, the difference between ten percent attrition and four percent attrition being that that's difference. Yeah. That's more or less what we see in those numbers. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so now that you guys are attacking jujitsu schools. Are you going to like lots of events like watering? Oh man, let me. I've spent a lot of time in Vegas this year. Okay, <laughs> we we go to a lot of um, IBJJF events, been to some of the uh, business kind of meetups and and consulting group events. Uh, yeah, it's uh, we've been we've been getting into all that. Have you thought about changing the name from Wattify to some other, or maybe having a version of the software that's just like you know a martial arts name? Because when I hear Wattify, I just think CrossFit. Yeah. Right. We've thought about it. Certainly, uh, it's been brought up a lot. The so before I was CEO, I was CMO, and so I was spending a lot more time thinking about that. And it's an interesting marketing challenge because, on one hand, it's really obvious. Like, why don't you name the software something that they're like, oh, that's for me? Like, uh, you know, some of the martial arts specific softwares have names like that. Um, there's a couple reasons we're not doing that. One is. I, I talk, we've talked a lot about jujitsu and CrossFit, but that is, we are building really robust platform-like software that will serve a lot of verticals in fitness really, really well. And so I don't want to 
be creating these sub brands for every vertical. Sure. Um, so, so part of it's that, and the other thing is just building this reputation. And uh, there's there's a lot of value to a strong brand that we built over many years. So we have, I mean, we had a jujitsu customer sign up last month that used to run a CrossFit gym and mm. knew us from CrossFit. And there's there actually is a lot of crossover, but it's interesting between CrossFit. Yeah, and same types but, of people. But our goal is to um to build a brand that every fitness and wellness business recognizes as the best software they can use to to grow their business. And there's also, you know, countless case studies in other industries of the most successful companies having names that have nothing to do with the thing. So mm. <laughs> hopefully, point. hopefully we'll, uh, that, that won't hurt us too much. I also, you know, I, I think those things, then I'm like, I could be wrong. So one thing I do is I listen to sales calls all the time and I don't know if I've ever had an experience where a prospect, uh, we learn about their business. We talk about why we can help them solve their challenges. We talk about why we'd be a good fit. And they get to the end of the call and they go, yeah, but your name's Wattify. Like it's kind of an, an initial instinct, but as soon as you learn about us and, and talk to our team, kind of- Well, yeah, away. once you're at that step, yeah. but I assume like it would be like if you have to teach someone how to use a product or they look at something and they go, oh, well, I don't need that. That's Wattify, yeah. that's CrossFit gyms. But yeah, I mean, if you're trying to hit a lot of different verticals eventually, yeah. then it might not make sense. It takes a while though. You got to, you know, change your advertising, come on podcast. Sure, <laughs> just sure, yeah, sure. it takes a, it takes more education, but again, long-term perspective and long-term vision. Uh, it means in two years, we don't need to have 30 brands we're managing. We just yeah. have one. All right, I have a feature request. What do you got? And you've probably heard it before. Yep. And I've been wanting this for years and it really bothers me that we don't have it is obviously like we, we track things like, times you show up to class, right? But like, I want to have something like Spotify has, right? Where it has like the, un, uh, what's called unwrapped or wrapped or yep. whatever it's called, where it shows you all these stats about yourself. Like they're giving you that information that they collected on you in a way uh, that you share with other people. And gyms, martial arts, they don't have that. And they people would love to freaking share that. Like if they, if I had something, okay, we're at karate school. So yep. if I had something that said, hey, I just hit my 10,000th kick, or like, you know, I did 7,000 punches this year. I know they're going to show that off to everyone. They're yeah. freaking love it. But it's just missing. Yeah. Is that possible? Or Yeah, I got some exciting news for you. So Drop the bomb. So we, uh, every year, it releases next week, actually. Uh, so we don't have quite what you're looking for, but we will next year. And we have something similar this year. So we do, uh, we call it Wattify Year in Review. So for the gym owners, we give them their version of Spotify Wrapped. Okay. You had... Uh, really all sorts of cool stats about their business, but like you ran this many classes, you had this many check-ins, here's your top attendance leaderboard and they share it with their cool. their folks. So we do a version of it for gyms with a lot of really- Oh, I saw that actually. And it's like, yeah. like we did it one year as a test. Like, ah, oh, that was kind of cool. And the next year people were like, when is that? And so now we have to do it every <laughs> okay. year. Um, but we were just talking, we have a whole retention intelligence team of engineers that all they do is stuff with our data. And so they uh, this year we were just talking about how next year we're going to uh, build a you know end user version of what you're talking about because we do have the data. It's not just check ins even. It's like okay, like everything you were saying. You signed into this many classes. Here was your favorite day of the week. Here's the instructor that you most frequently uh, had class with. Here are how many um, progression trackers you achieved. Here are all these movements you mastered. Like all of that. So yeah, we're yeah. Like if I had something that said like, hey, I worked. 
on 15 classes on Kimura and I worked on 87 on yeah. on guillotine, I would know that's why my guillotine is so much better than my Kimura, yeah. right? And I feel like if we can give that information to our students, not only would it make, A, they would share it and we'd have a lot more free advertising online, but B, the instructors would get better because they would know, oh, well, I didn't really work on this on this one thing, yeah. right? So yeah, if we can get something like that, that'd be amazing. If I knew like my tap rate, like that's probably like years down the line, <laughs> but if I knew like, Oh, you tapped this year seven hundred times. You tapped other yeah. people three hundred times. I'm like, oh, cool. Okay, the next year I know it's a little more. That'd be amazing. You yeah, know? no, I I think that that relates to this concept of a hybrid experience with technology. Like that stuff is so meaningful and powerful. And the online companies are doing a really good job of that. Like this this gamification, dueling well, your does amazing yeah, job. exactly. And yeah. it's it's addicting, and you share it, and you know, our system collects all that data and we're going to continue doing things like that. But there are so many gyms that don't even like require people to sign into class or don't. And they're kind of flying blind. Like how, if you don't have this data, you can't do stuff like you that. Can't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the hardest part about being a CEO of a software company? What's the biggest thorn in your side? Um, the hardest part and the biggest thorn in my side, I feel like are kind of two, two uh, different things. I think the hardest part is getting the right people. Like the ability to attract, retain, and develop talent is a, a constant ongoing challenge. And I'm fortunate enough, we have an 85 person team of every single one of them, super talented, committed, passionate, but it's a never ending challenge. And once you get to a certain stage, I think there's kind of life cycles of companies. Like when you're a founder, and you're going from like zero million to a million, you have to do a lot of work. <laughs> um, and now, you know, and then from 1 million to 10 million is maybe another series of challenges. We're in the 10 million to 50 million category. And it means that I don't do a lot of work. Like I, I try to stay close to our customers and, and I, I really enjoy getting into the weeds with some projects with our team, but you have to get to a place where you're building a a team that's bigger than you and you're you're scaling an organization that you know you're creating departments that are executing these initiatives. So I think the hardest thing is just getting those those people because talented, hardworking people have to you have to keep them engaged. They have to be working on something they believe in. They have to be constantly like growing and being challenged. And yeah. So are you the one that hires new people or do you have a team for that or someone else who does that? I mean a lot of people are involved like, you know, Depending on the department, those there's always a hiring manager. We have a really uh, solid HR team that helps with recruiting and the whole interview process. But I try to talk to everyone that that uh, comes into the organization, um, so I can either help evaluate them, but also just pitch Spotify. Like it's a two way street, right? Yeah. Like if you're interviewing someone and they never really ask any questions about your business, or you don't need to sell them on joining your team, there's probably something wrong. Right? <laughs> like you should. Yeah, it's it's a two way street. How do you keep those business relationships healthy? Um, with employees, you mean? Yeah. I think, I mean, part of it's at the end of the day, companies are just made up of humans. Like you have to develop relationships with people and care about them as humans and, and understand what motivates them and, and what gets them engaged. So um, that's kind of a fluffy answer, but part of it's just like being someone who actually cares. Like if I didn't care about our team or about our company or what we're doing, it'd be really hard. I could probably fake it for like three months, but then it would get really hard. So I think part of it's like you have to care about what you're doing and your people. Um, the other thing 
for me personally, kind of why I joined Wattify and why I think a lot of people stick around is you have to be doing something interesting and impactful and then be able to communicate that. So everyone at the company, whether they're working in HR or finance or customer success or engineering, understands how what they're doing every day contributes to that. Mm. So I tell a story sometimes of um, we we released a feature a couple of years ago where we released it. I called a customer to see how she was liking it. And she started crying on the phone because she was like, I can spend my Sundays with my kids again because this is saving me time. And if you can't somehow wrap that kind of stuff up and communicate it to the engineer that spent three months building that feature, who has no idea that, you know, that's happening. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's a big part of it is yeah, being able let to let them see the impact yeah. of what they're doing. That's really, really cool. And we, I mean, we make software like fitness business owners are incredibly selfless entrepreneurs. Like mm -hmm. the, you know, there, I, I took a class recently in my gym the owner taught the class was 5.30 in the morning. He had a smile on his face. He was really motivating everyone. He worked closely with this uh, person who was relatively new. Afterwards, he was high-fiving everyone. And then I saw him like cleaning one of the sinks by the bathroom after the class. And it was like 6.30 in the morning. And I'm like, we make software so those people can have this incredibly positive impact on all these people's lives. We, yeah, our, our product, uh, we have a big responsibility, but you can feel good about you know the work and the customers we're serving. I think sometimes it's a challenge we have, even as running martial arts schools, is telling the story of our students and the impact of what we do on their life, right? And and that's part of the reason why I do this podcast as well, is that like we do have so many stories. And for us, like I'll interview sometimes our instructors and talk about their experience and how they went from a, a you know a therapist or like you know high a very like good reputation job to you know teaching martial arts and how it's changed your life in a positive way and if you don't if you're not constantly storytelling yeah then you're never going to be able to show that conviction that you have inside of you yeah right yeah 100 percent. all right i'm going to ask a couple random questions hit me uh what's the best gift you've ever received the best gift i've ever received you're about to get Actually, married so if he has this wrong this is <laughs> the wrong direction no i have a fun one this is just kind of a recency uh a recency bias yeah. but last year we did um my like immediate family instead of getting everyone gifts we decided to do like a secret annex where like everyone has everything they need let's yeah. just do something more fun so my brother and his wife got me and my uh or they got me i guess and the gift they gave me was they made a spinner with four quadrants around Denver, like the neighboring states and areas. And they said, your gift is you have to spin it and wherever it lands, we'll get you a weekend trip. That'll be a surprise trip to that area. So it was like Nebraska, Utah, like all. And we ended up going to this little town in Colorado and it was an awesome weekend. So okay. that, that was a fun gift. Oh, very cool. Yeah. That, I love that. That's awesome. I was kind of hoping you end up in Nebraska. Like, sucker. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That'd be like the cheapest vacation. What's the best gift you've ever gotten? Ooh, good question. Oh, I, you know, it's so funny. I was asking <laughs> other <question>. people. <laughs> <laughs> I was Thanks. I came up with people. it myself. Oh, man. Um, I, I mean, one thing that entrepreneurs always love is a gift is books. Yeah. Right. Um, and my brother gave me how to win friends and influence people when I was in college. And I remember specifically sitting on my porch and at Temple University reading that book and being just like totally consumed by it. Like, wow, this is why I need to be successful. I just really got to. 
give myself and help other people. If I do that, things will come back to me. And it's like so obvious when you hear someone else say it in a specific way, it can hit you differently. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd say probably that one. Nice. Yeah. Let me think if there's something else I can think of. <laughs> uh, all right. Next one. Would you rather spend one year at the North Pole or two years in the Sahara Desert? North Pole. I hate the hot weather. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're in Colorado. So that makes sense. Um, okay. Next one. What book has shaped your career the most? That's a good one. Um, I think the books I've read that have sh- that have helped me the most have been partially like the book itself and a lot about like when you read it, like mm. what's going through, you know, your life uh, at the moment you read it. Um, I'll give you one that's a little more professional, one that's a little more personal. But the professional one, uh, a couple of years ago, we read as a company, we read Delivering Happiness, the Zappos book. Mm. Um and it really helped me understand what customer success and customer experience means. Uh, and I think we've developed that as a differentiator in our business, account management, our customer success teams. There's, there's, yeah, there's a lot in that book that's really fascinating about how Zappos, which is a little bit of a commodity, you sell shoes online, mm-hmm. has developed like a, a, the kind of business where Amazon bought them and left them alone. Mm. Like that, that's, there's something there about their culture and their, so that was awesome. And then more recently I read The Comfort Crisis, which is um, a book about basically how society's gotten too comfortable. Mm. <laughs> and uh, it's something that I uh, have given like presentations about internally and that I really feel passionate and interested about this idea of like doing really hard and uncomfortable things as a form of personal and professional development and how it just helps there's this, rip- yeah. There's a lot there, but comfort crisis is a good. Cool. One. That's 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 a good one. I haven't read that one. I feel like you'd like it. You uh, like outdoor stuff and, and yeah. Uh, I feel yeah. like I'm always putting myself in uncomfortable situations. I mean, that's honestly why I joined jujitsu. Yeah. Just because I did karate my whole life, very comfortable there, and I was like, I want to try something else and get my and see how it's different. I walked in there. I'm, I'm going to be pretty good at this. I'm a martial artist. I've this my whole life, and then I I learned really quickly. It basically gave me like. A point zero 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 two percent advantage over yeah, anyone else. Yeah. If someone else wrestled in high Humbling. school for two years, they were better, you know. And uh, and, and yeah, so like, and there's nothing like having someone sit on your face and, and drip sweat into your mouth. Yeah. Uh, that'll <laughs> humble you really, yep, really quick. Same experience. Uh, so thank you so much for being on here. What? How can someone if they want to find out more information about Wattify? How do they find you? Yeah. No. Thank you for having me. Um, I would say just you know, Wattify.com is our website and. Whether you're jujitsu, uh, another form of martial arts, or, or fitness, um, our process as a company is talk to someone on our team, and we will have a genuine conversation to understand your business and help you understand our software. And if there's a mutual fit, we would love to partner and earn your business. And if there's not, and we think there's not, or you think there's not, uh, hopefully there was some value in the conversation, and we'll part way as friends. So, so. My ask, if you're interested in Wattify, is have a conversation with us. Um, and if you're not ready for that, blog.wattify.com. has got all those uh, behind-the-numbers blog posts and other content on there. So cool. uh, check us out online. Thank you for listening. My name is Matthew Brenner with Double Your Dojo. If you have any questions, you can email me, Matthew, at doublyourdojo.com or hit me up on Instagram at blackbeltbrenner1. Thank you.